Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. This is uh, Jerry Farney of Jerry Farney Consulting, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. I'm excited about today's show because, you know, when I started the Pharmacy Podcast, it was actually called the PTR Pharmacy Podcast, and it will be embarrassing for you to go back to an episode that's because the qualities are just a great difference than what it is today. But nonetheless, uh, that's much many moons ago, but it was all based on pharmacy technology, um, what was happening in some of the automation trends. And back in those days, um, which was, I want to say, um, 2008, 2009, I met a Mr. Jerry Farney, who is a subject matter expert and informatics expert in the world of pharmacy technology. And uh, Jerry and I have kept in touch over the years. Uh, He has an extremely popular blog at jerryfarney.com. And that's J-E-R-R-Y-F-A-H-R-N-I.com. Jerry was on the show quite uh, many moons ago. And he is back today with a very popular subject, which is integration is no longer an optional perspective for pharmacy technology. It's a blog, Integration No Longer Optional for Pharmacy Technology. It was published January 27th, 2016. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast, Jerry. How are you? Hey, thanks, Don. That's quite the intro. I appreciate it. It's always nice to be back to talk a little bit about pharmacy technology. You know, I remember when we did our uh, our first podcast together, I was actually still working in the hospital and it was um, you know, late one night, I, I stuck around in my office and, and you and I got together on the phone. And I, I think I may even have recorded uh, my portion of it on the cell phone while you were on your cell phone driving somewhere. I don't remember, <laughs> but, you know, that has been uh, quite a while ago. It has been. You've accumulated a, a lot of uh, um, a lot of readers at jerryfarney.com. You've expanded into a podcast that's kind of dedicated to the uh, technology and automation industry. This is so uh, encouraging to me, someone who uh, started the Pharmacy Podcast so long ago, to see others in our industry reaching out to their subject matter experts, to what they know from uh, years of experience like you have. So before we get started, give our listeners a little bit a little bit of your background, uh, and you just mentioned being in the health system, a hospital system, but give some additional background before I get started with some of our questions. Yeah, so, um, you know, if you don't know, obviously, I'm a pharmacist. I've been a pharmacist going on 20 years now. Most of that time has been spent in the hospital. That's where I spend most of my time leading up to a time when I started working in, in uh, the pharmacy informatics side, uh, specializing in automation and technology. And at one point a few years ago, I actually went to work for a company uh, that uh, built pharmacy automation and technology. And a short two and a half, three year stint with them. And then I started doing some consulting. And uh, the consulting is specializes in the technology component of pharmacy, workflow, uh, workforce analysis, that kind of thing. And most recently, specifically in IV room technology. And 
technology-assisted compounded sterile preparation production. So, yeah, you know, when you and I uh, finally met up um, in person, uh, years uh, between years of really being able to see each other from different conferences that we attended, uh, I ran into you at the ASHP uh, at their annual show, um, and that was in, I believe, uh, New Orleans, right? That's right. Back in December, you yeah. and I sat down and had a cup of coffee. I think it's the first time we'd seen each other face-to-face in several years. That's right. So, um, before that, I think it was the ASCP, the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you when the last time we met before that. I do remember when we, the time we met before that was in Las Vegas. It's just so many things are held in Las Vegas, I couldn't (laughs) tell you what it is. And at the ASHP, um, what's funny is we actually kind of talked about the same subject matter that you're actually blogging about that, that has caught a tremendous amount of interest on LinkedIn, which is this uh, piece called Integration No Longer Optional for Pharmacy Technology. And what I find both interesting and frustrating about this blog and about this subject is I almost feel like even though I know we're not exactly in the same place as we were five years ago, I know that we've progressed. I know that there's been advancements. But I tell you what, I am still frustrated that pharmacy in some ways seems to be that black sheep standing out in the field of healthcare by itself uh, without any consistent integration to the electronic health records. Um, There's a myriad of people that have attempted uh, some kind of standardization and sure enough, There's other organizations and automation companies that have been very successful in integration, but it's completely inconsistent. So uh, tell our listeners, if you haven't read the blog yet, give a summary of this blog. And then once again, I'm going to ask specific questions about your viewpoints about what is integration between pharmacy systems and technology and the uh, almighty electronic health record. Well, first of all, I understand your frustration because while we've made progress, we've done it at a, at a glacial pace. I mean, pharmacy, pharmacy is slow, so slow to respond to any technology. But in terms of, of integration, we've been particularly slow. Some of it is our fault, and uh, some of it is the vendor's fault. You have, you know, you have small vendors and you have big vendors, and sometimes they play nice and sometimes they don't. And there's no real governing body regulating what goes on. Uh, but the nuts and bolts of the post are, are talking about where we are uh, in terms of integration and a little bit about interoperability. Uh, it was encouraging when I was at ASHP Midyear. I had an opportunity to speak with several directors of pharmacy, and they're talking about this. Um, and, you know, and when when people start to talk about stuff, it starts to float to the surface, and then perhaps people start doing something about it. But there was a lot of um, a lot of quote-unquote integration uh, terminology and, and conversation being thrown around in mid-year. And I saw companies like Baxter and, and Omnicell and Ascent uh, making a concerted effort to offer better integration in their product. I know Baxter uh, is offering a new Epic interface, or at least I know they're, they're beta testing it with their dosage product. It's a bi-directional interface. And Omnicell has made uh, significant strides in creating a centralized database for all of their uh, central pharmacy automation and technology. And then one of the most exciting things that I saw um, from Ascent while I was there is they have a product called uh, reInvent, 
which is a data analytics tool, and then so on and so forth down the line. But it was very encouraging to see a lot of these uh, vendors are starting to understand the need uh, for integration. And the one-offs maybe aren't going to be what you see in the future. When, you're, when, you're, when I visit hospitals and I talk to pharmacy directors, one of the things I've noticed in the past, it was a very best-of-breed uh, approach. You know, I want the best of the IV room. Uh, product. I want the best inventory management system. I want the best automated dispensing cabinets. I want the best pharmacy information system and so on down the line. But what I'm starting to see is that uh, pharmacy directors and operation managers are starting to give up some of that quote unquote best of breed uh, in favor of integration. So they may give up some functionality, let's say in the IB room, uh, in favor of being integrated with the electronic health record. And so, you now it is encouraging, but we are moving at a very slow pace, and we have a long way to go. Isn't it interesting, Jerry, that you just mentioned three systems that have a noticeable footprint in the health system pharmacist world, okay? And what health system pushes and demands with integration, which in the... Um, in the thought of what a health system is, either large or small IDN, you realize that they have a lot more control in pushing that electronic health record to be open to such an integration, <clears throat> whether that be a homemade integration or something through HL7, which can be very expensive and time-consuming, for example. But regardless, the rest of pharmacy is left out in the cold, and as you've mentioned as whose fault this is, I'll go back to my roots, and that is pharmacy management systems. And, you know, the the guys who are leading the pharmacy management system industry by numbers, uh, and when I say numbers, that is numbers of installs, numbers of pharmacies using the systems. Um, and this is compounding, um, retail community, institutional, specialty. Um, this is... And, and not to pick on you guys out there because you know I love you because that's my entire background and it's what I've made my entire career on is, is selling pharmacy technology and automation systems. RX30, QS1, Pioneer, um, McKesson Enterprise. My question to these organizations, both in health system and out of health system, community institutional, why in the world haven't these systems reached out to these major um, uh, EHRs through an organization like the ASAP, the Automation Society of uh, the American Society of Automation and Pharmacy, or one of the, the trade organizations, or one of the wholesalers, and said, hey guys, we're competitors, but we all need to come together with some standard sets of information something like the CCD or the CCR, the continuity of care record, or something to push information back and forth to these EHRs in some kind of format that isn't super duper expensive as we all know HL7 can get. And it's a head scratcher to me, including if you know uh, Shelly Spiro, who's a pioneer and a champion of all things uh, pharmacy technology uh, with the HIT organization, um, you know, and kudos to them for pushing the envelope. But it's 2016, and your local community pharmacy, who just put their patient because they were prescribed XYZ medication, 
can't report back electronically in the other direction from the E1 or the, the E prescription, can't report back to the EHR um, in real time or even in not real time. Maybe at the end of the day, they dump information back to the EHR. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what happened to our industry back in the day that that was never just standard practice? And why in the world haven't we done it by, uh, you know, coming into second quarter 2016? Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned something that to me is a no-brainer, and that is going through organizations, uh, like you mentioned, whether that's, you know, ASHP or APHA or whoever it is. But you'd be surprised at um, how disinterested organizations like that are in approaching vendors and forcing the issue. Um, I was involved in a project probably five, maybe six years ago now uh, on a committee with one of these organizations where we were looking at doing exactly what you talked about. And at the executive level inside the organization, they, um, for lack of a better term, they got scared. They got uh, frightened of what we were doing and said that we had to cease and desist. So that the thought is there. I think the thought from the members are there, but I think the organizations are, I don't know, scared to do it, uh, maybe afraid of some backlash. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that I always give examples of other industries where they have done an amazing job of being able to handle information from lots and lots of disparate systems, and they do it in a great way. The financial industry is one that, that's one of my favorites because if you think about it, you know, you have, uh, you have checking accounts, savings accounts, retirement accounts, you have ATM cards, you have credit cards, you have all this information, and you can get access to that information via computer, uh, mobile device, uh, ATM machine, and it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter when it is, you have access to that information in real time. As a matter of fact, you know, I have uh, my phone set up so that I get alerts, for example, if, if something goes over a certain amount, you know, let's say $100. If, if somebody uses my credit card for something more than $100, I get a real-time alert. And then I can look and see if that is something that, that I actually bought or, or something that, uh, that somebody else has my card and doing something with. Maybe it's my wife or my kids or, or whatever the case may be. Even in a different country, if somebody travels outside the United States, let's say they go to Canada or Mexico or maybe even overseas uh, to Japan or Germany, it doesn't matter. They still have access to the same amount of information and they still get that information in a real time way. And we just we have failed to do that in the healthcare industry. And a lot of times I hear people uh, say things like, well, you know, we're, we're worried about security and we're worried about privacy. And I understand that. And those are things that we should be concerned about. But again, I come back to the financial industry. I mean, somehow you feel uh, you feel safe punching in your credit card number online. But for some reason, you're afraid that your latest cholesterol number is going to get out. So I, you know, I'm not sure I understand uh, the thought process there. But, you know, you, you hit on a, a bunch of great topics and we are we're clearly behind the curve. I would say 10 years, but, you know, that's probably a conservative estimate. Yeah, and I, I've looked to even uh, European markets to see how things are going. Um, there's a man named Robert Starr who has a podcast out of Australia, um, and uh, and it's he, he the name of his organization is Transformation, which is a play on the word, obviously, Farmation, and I think it's a great... You know, he has a podcast. He he's dedicated to that, and um, and but he complains about the same thing. So 
I can't even pick on the United States for that matter because this is a worldwide issue that pharmacy just isn't integrated with the rest of the healthcare systems and they're fractionalized and they're, um, you know, the, the, the ones that are embedded in health systems are much further ahead than the community or the institutional player. But not having that vision from a physician's perspective I mean, let's put the PharmD to the side. Let's put the guy who, do, who's, who the, or the gal who's supposed to be doing MTM consulting or testing someone's efficacy of even being able to, to, to absorb a drug through a pharmacogenomics test. Let's put all that aside, which, by the way, is so inc- critically important. Uh, you come out of your physician with the prescription. It starts your therapy. And then what happens? Well, adherence goes in the toilet, and the next thing you know, the patient goes back to the hospital. So what in the world isn't even the PBMs for that sake, don't get me started on PBMs, but even the PBMs or the lobbyists or the American Medical Association, why haven't they pushed a mandatory integration just like they have with other policies and procedures of saying uh, you have to adopt ICD-10, for example, by, um, what is it, October 2017 or January 2017 or whatever it is, or you get penalized. Why not say, hey, pharmacy industry, you have to be integrated with the EHR, and oh, by the way, EHRs, you have to take half the responsibility to get this done, and you have to get it done by 2018, and then go. And now we're integrated, and we have vision, and we know what the patient's on, and when they were on it, and the mobile device gets put into it, and the adherence surveys get put into it, and the questions get put into it. And now the pharmacist and the physician are tied in electronically. And I'm like, it's, a, it's not even like a question. It's, it's, a, it's a wonder of ourselves of saying, what are we missing? It makes me want to get John Nosta, who's a digital health philosopher on here with us and, and let him dig into it because I don't know what's, you know what's holding us back. Yeah, well, I, I don't know either. I know that um, I, as much as I dislike regulation, because pharmacy is a heavily regulated industry already, uh, it's probably going to come down to it. And, I, and uh, I look at things like, for example, this is a little bit off topic, but pharmacy clean rooms, uh, USP 797 has become the standard of practice. Well, we weren't, we weren't doing anything like this in most clean rooms. Some clean rooms were. But uh, when USP 797 hit the scene, it wasn't until boards of pharmacy started enforcing it and placing it into the law that pharmacies really took notice and started paying attention and implementing the new guidelines. I think we're probably going to have to see something like that, whether it's a government entity or you know, a board of pharmacy or whatever the case may be. Well, in this case, not a board of pharmacy, but some other regulatory body. They may have to force the issue because from my point of view, one of the biggest obstacles to integration and interoperability are the giant EHRs. And I say that because they really want to control the information. They don't want to open their systems up. And I know there's been a lot of controversy about this um, online. And I, I saw some stuff coming out of HEMS about it. And there's probably a slight disconnect between reality and perception. But the case is, I don't think as a small vendor that I can go to one of the large EHR vendors and say, 
you know, give me access to your API. I want to I want to pull and push data into your system. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. From a personal perspective, I was involved in some of these projects where working with the big companies, the small guy, he just gets pushed out of the way. So I don't know what's going to force the issue to allow the the larger kind of Goliaths to allow the Davids, you know, to get in there and do their thing. But right now, that is one of the barriers for sure. So my experience with integration with the pharmacy systems is reaching out to a very large electronic health record, which I'll not pick on them and use their name, um, but uh, reaching out and hearing them say after you know weeks of trying to get their attention, if you don't have a customer that's demanding the integration, we don't want to hear from you. And then I turn around and get the customer. The customer reaches back out to the EHR and says, yes, we want this integration. And it still doesn't go anywhere. So, um, you know, shame on the electronic health records uh, for not doing it proactively, number one. But number two, if it's not proactive and you have a dollar amount that you need, which I completely understand because I'm anti over regulation too. I don't like the thought of always having to have the government involved, but nonetheless, even if it's a profit situation where the EHR says, "Hey QS1, hey RX30, hey pharmacy systems, hey McKesson, if you want to integrate with us, it's going to cost you $25,000 one-time fee and every month after that X number of dollars just as a revenue source for goodness sakes." But at least establish the um the, the map to actually get it done or the openness to actually get it done and show that in proof that if this integration was seamless and was uh, bi-directional and was even in some cases live and once again integrated even with the mobile devices, there would be so much more insight into the patient-centric care that if you go to every single one of these websites of every single one of these health systems or a physician's group or even some pharmacies, they all claim that they're patient-centric. If you're patient-centric, listen up EHRs, if you really think you're patient-centric, why aren't you talking with and communicating with uh, pharmacy management systems and other pharmacy automation systems? And some of them are going to say, well, we are, but it's not on mass scale. It's this, it's this bits and these tiny little uh, nuances and one-offs and but it's not a standardization of care. It's, there's no standardization of care to be integrated between EHR and pharmacy management or pharmacy technology. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting that you, um, when you start talking about a lot of these different systems, doesn't it actually make sense along the line somewhere that all this information is collected in a centralized repository and that there's no duplicate of the information and that each system simply utilizes and contributes to that massive database of patient information. You know, like Jerry Farney's patient information should be kept, quote unquote, in one one place. Now, I know that's kind of a virtual one place where everybody contributes to it. So if I if I'm seen uh, at a hospital here and then I'm seen at a hospital in Texas, uh, that hospital in Texas should instantly be able to access my not only my medical records, but also my prescription refill records and everything else. And I think ultimately that's where we're going to have to go. Uh, if we continue to create these databases in silos, you know, you can share information, but getting access to them becomes you know more and more complicated and complex. It's 
it's like us when we have, you know, we have uh, we have accounts with Evernote and Amazon and, you know, Microsoft and et cetera, et cetera. And we're keeping all this information in different places. And then you have to remember how to log in and how to get information and what you're allowed to get and not get. And it gets very, very complicated. I think at some point and I think. I think the government had this in mind when they started mandating EHRs. I think at some point we're, we're going to have a, just a giant centralized hub uh, where everything's collected and stored and just all you do is borrow and look at it. So we have one way, right? E-prescribing. We have the prescriber who can electronically prescribe uh, versus their credentials, digital certificates, uh, even fingerprint, fingerprint readers per se, to send it out in the prescriber, identifies the patient record, uh, you know, can establish the order, send the order out, it goes to some type of transaction hub um, via like a SureScripts, for example. Um, they complete the prescription, the authorization, the transmit process goes through, and then the pharmacy receives it. So if that technology is in place today and working, and as a matter of fact, Physicians, in some cases, get an incentive for e-prescribing. Why in the world can't information be returned in that same pathway? And I'm even, you know, thinking of SureScripts, for example. If SureScripts could be that medium, since they've already gone one way, why can't they pull back information that's pertinent to, um, you know, correspondence between the pharmacist uh, the you know the one the filling pharmacist or the MTM counselor or someone back through that same pathway, um, even SureScripts for example, back to the EHR. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it seems like we would be able to do that. It seems like we should be doing that, but for some reason we're not. Now, I know there's there's some complexities. Especially when you start looking at, from my view, you start looking at pharmacy records, things can get pretty complex because, um, you know, and you know this as well as I do, just because something is filled doesn't mean it was picked up and taken. But, you know, bits and pieces of information is better than no information. Exactly. Well, you and I can talk for another two hours, but I don't want the listeners to go beyond uh, the promised um, area of footprint of podcasts. So, I want to let the listeners know um, I'm excited to re-engage with Jerry Farney. Jerry is going to return to the show on occasion to talk about uh, trends and things happening in the pharmacy space from a technology perspective, which kind of brings me back to my roots. So, Jerry, I'm excited about that, and I thank you for that. Um, if you haven't heard of jerryfarney.com, please look him up on the Internet. He is uh, very easily fi- uh, to, to find via Google. Um, he has quite a following on his blog. Once again, once again, it's Jerry Farney, uh, F-A-H-R-N-I, jerryfarney.com. Jerry, thank you so much for coming back to the Pharmacy Podcast, and we hope to have you back very soon. Hey, my pleasure, Todd. It was, it was great to be here, and uh, anytime you want to talk about something, just let me know. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.